0: Pray with me. Our Lord and Savior, we humbly come before you and we bow down this afternoon. Before we go to your word, we simply want to pray and just ask that the Spirit of God would paint this picture of a beautiful Savior before our eyes who was crucified for us, who has died on behalf of our sin so that we might have the righteousness of Christ and be accepted by him. Lord, our prayer this afternoon that we would be impressed with one thing and that is your son, Jesus Christ. I ask that you give myself wisdom to go through this amazing book for edification of your people, but most importantly, so that we may lift up your son and his glory. In whose name we pray, amen. I invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. And as you go there, I want to make a few exhortations. First, this next hour is not about my abilities or me. Because I'm just a sinner in need of grace just like every single one of you. This next hour is about the word of God. This next hour is about Jesus Christ. You see, if anything good will come of this, it will be because the spirit of God will be pleased to use the word of God in order to paint and point us to the son of God. That's the only way any good will come of this. This is the only book that has inherent power to change lives. Not my words about this book, but the words of this book. Second, I want to remind you that this is not just a novel idea that we came up with. We have a scriptural precedence for doing this. Now, if when you heard what we're going to do today, you thought, well, I wonder how boring this is going to be. Well, first, you need to repent. And second, I want to remind you of something that took place in the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. I'll read a couple of verses to you, Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. It says, And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord has given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of man, women, and all who could listen and understand on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday in the presence of man and woman those who could understand and all the people were attentive to the book of the law you skip down to verse 6 and says Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people and when he opened it all the people stood up I'm not going to ask you to stand Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands, they bowed down low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It wasn't a band playing. It was a man of God standing in front of the crowd and reading the word of God, and that is how they were responding. So if you feel like saying amen sometimes, that's okay, you have that in the Bible. And finally, I want you to imagine the following scenario, which will help you understand the book of Hebrews as it was written. Imagine that you are a Christian living in the first century. The year is AD 67. Prior to your recent conversion, you were a devout Jew. Your family lived according to the strict regulations of Mosaic law. You kept the Sabbath, you ate kosher, and whole nine yards. But not too long ago, a friend of yours who was a Christian began to preach the gospel to you. And you started attending this small Jewish church, Christian church. And you began to hear the message. You heard great preaching. You saw signs. You saw wonders. You saw everything that was happening. And not too long after that, you yourself got converted and became a believer. As a result... Your family turned on you. Your father kicked you out of your house. You lost your inheritance. You lost all your possessions. The synagogue which you attended your entire life disowned you as a traitor. And as if that was not enough, not only did your family turn on you, your former religion turned on you, the government under which you're living at this point is not a friend of yours either. You see, three years ago, Nero burned down Rome, and he blamed Christians for it. And as a result of that, there was a massive persecution of Christians. The friend of yours who preached the gospel to you, he's been in prison for last year. While no one else in your congregation has yet been put to death, you personally know of people who have been crucified and thrown to the wild beasts because of their faith. It's a difficult time to be a Christian. The little church that you attend is composed of different kinds of people. There are some who have been in the faith for a long time and they're strong. There are others in the church who are just beaten down and they're worn down by all the trials and all the persecution. Still others who have not yet fully committed to Christ, they're, they're wondering, is this worth it? Is Jesus worth it. You see, while you were part of Judaism, you were protected under Roman law. But now all that is gone. Now with this background, you show up to church on Sunday. A secret place. You come when your pastor gets up and he says, guys, uh, today we're going to do something a little different. You see, this week we have received a letter that is addressed to our church. This letter is inspired. This letter will end up in the New Testament. This letter will address every single one of you wherever you are. So we're going to set aside our verse-by-verse exposition of Isaiah for today. And we're just going to read the letter. And no matter where you are, no matter who you are, this letter will address you. Those of you who need strength will be strengthened. Those of you who need encouragement will be encouraged. Those of you who need comfort will be comforted. Those of you who need to be admonished will be admonished. Those of you who need to be rebuked will be rebuked. Those of you who need to be warned will be warned. Ultimately, this book is about one thing and one person. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of it all. My prayer, that as you walk away from this service, you will be in awe of Jesus. And that's the only thing. Forget the fact that you read the book of Hebrews before, that you've studied it for the last couple years. Stay in the shoes of those first century believers and hear it as if for the first time. You'll get the most out of this if you just simply listen, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, you're welcome to do that. And as you listen, pray that the Spirit would do His work among us as we consider Jesus. God, after you spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he has made purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, Having become as much better than angels as he has inherited a more excellent name, the name. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. Of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all will become old like a garment and like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same and your years will never come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits? So now to render service for the sake of those who are chosen for this reason, We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedient received a just penalty, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He did not subject to angels. The world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, What is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hand. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, He left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him, but we do see him who was made for a little while lower than angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, For whom are all things and through whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren saying I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again behold and again I will put my trust in him. And again behold I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore. "...since children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For surely he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God." to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted and that which he had suffered, he's able also to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory by just as much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked them when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient, so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, let us fear. If while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Now we who have believed have entered his rest, just as he says, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Just as also in another passage, souls, they shall not enter my rest. For he says somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, as God did from his. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience he again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, justice has been said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his side but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest over the house of God who has passed through the heavens, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find rest to help, grace to help in time of need. For every high priest is taken from among men, is appointed on behalf of men and things pertaining to God, in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself is beset with weaknesses. And Because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices as for the people, so also for himself. No one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he's called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ to not glorify himself so as to become high priest. But he who said to him, you're my son. Today I have begotten you, just as he also says in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. He was hurt because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God and of instruction about washing and the resurrection and laying on of hands in the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly, go, uh, heavenly word and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For the ground which drinks the rain which often falls on and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you And things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust to us to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope firm until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promises. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have a strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. And one which enters within the veil where Jesus entered as a forerunner for us. Having become a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth part of all the spoil, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Now, observe how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tent of the choice of spoil. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received priest's office have a commandment in the law to collect a tent from the people. That is from their brethren, although these are descended from Abraham. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tent from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In this case, mortal men receive tithes. But in that case, one received them of whom it is witness that he lives on. And so to speak through Abraham, even Levi who received tithes, paid tithes for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not to be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when a priesthood is changed, Of necessity, there takes a change in law also. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe in reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. And this is clearer still. If another priest arises, according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such, not on the basis of a law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life, for it is attested of him, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, there is bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as it was not without a note, for they indeed became priests without a oath. But he with an note through the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. The former priests on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing but jesus on the other hand because he continues forever holds his priesthood permanently therefore he's able also to save forever those who draw near to god through him since he always lives to make intercession for them for it was fitting for us to have such a high priest holy innocent undefiled separated from sinners, exalted above heavens, who does that need daily like those high priests who offer sacrifices first for his own sin and then for the sins of the people. Because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son made perfect forever. Now, the main point Of what has been said is this We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord has pitched, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer, for if he were on earth, he would not be priest there all sins. There are those who offer gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and the shadow of the heavenly things. Just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is a mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for the second. But finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days says the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach everyone his brother and everyone his fellow citizen, saying, no, the Lord, for they all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. And I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Now, when he says, a new covenant, he has made the old obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and grown old is ready to disappear. For now, even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, in which were the lampstand and a table and a sacred bread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there is a tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense, and which was a golden jar holding manna, and Aaron's rod, which budded in the tables of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things we cannot now speak in details. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, and now without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people. The Holy Spirit is signifying that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which can never make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate only to food and drinks and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared, as the high priest of the good things to come. He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ? who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleansed your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that since death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal redemption. For a covenant. For where a covenant is, There must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For it's not valid while the one who made it lives. For even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. In the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, one may say, all things are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be cleansed with these. But the heavenly things themselves would better sacrifice than these. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest would, uh, as the high priest would enter the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once. At the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also. having been offered once to bear the sins of many. Will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. For the law since he has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshiper having once been cleansed would no longer have had consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice an offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. After saying above sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not required nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. He then says, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Every priest stands daily, ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But he, having offered one sacrifice for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us, saying, for after, uh, also testifies to us, saying, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and on their minds I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast and let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another day after day. So encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversary. Anyone who set aside a love of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve? Who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember, the former days, when after being enlightened, you have endured a great conflict of suffering. Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. And partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and the lasting one. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For yet in Lord, a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul takes no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen for, by it the man of old gain approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before he's being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared the ark for the salvation of his household, through which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, went out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of the promise, as in the foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him who promised, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born of one man, and him as good as that at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country and a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, Offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Isa, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped. Leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of King's Eden. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to speak of Barak, Gideon, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others experience mocking and scourging. Yes. Chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated men of whom this world was not worthy, wandering in the deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. All these, having gained their approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. For God has provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Therefore, having so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, and you're striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves... He disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men, and sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. And if there not be any one of you, see to it that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. And that there not be among and, and that there not be, and that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal, for you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears, for you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind. And the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not endure the command, if even the beast touches the mountain, it shall be stone. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriads of angels and to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus Christ, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape, who refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we turned away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created a thing, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, Since we receive kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all and marriage bed undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Make sure that you're Character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have for. He himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will men do to me? Remember those who led you and spoke the word of God to you. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. For we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burnt outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him, outside the gate, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here, we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking a city which is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up A sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. Do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. Not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us also. For we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this so that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Take notice that Timothy, our brother, has been released with whom if he comes soon, I will see you. Greet all of your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen.